Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick, and it's another solo, bitches. Um, Y'all really loved the last solo, like a lot. Uh, Episode 222, it doesn't have like a super... uh, like heartfelt woo woo. Like you might just scroll past it and be like, Oh yeah. Why tracking numbers is important. Um, but those that have listened to it, I have probably gotten more feedback on that episode. Um, than some guest ones that I was like, Oh wow. All right, cool. You liked it. So I have a goal for today though. So my goal is, so Kirby's always wondered, you know, like Kirby's just a, a numbers guy. He like, well, we're both like, we like experimenting. This is one of the things that I think is one of my greatest strengths is I like doing just like taking action and seeing what the result is and then making an informed decision afterwards. Like I'm, I don't want to say I'm not afraid to make mistakes because like I hate failing. Oh my God. Um, but I do love wisdom and knowledge that comes with like experience. So today The goal is for me to be in and out of this episode, like beginning to end less than 35 minutes. Now I can't do that when there's a guest on because I feel like I'm just getting some of the guests, getting some of the guests, there we go, best. That's why I was, I was a guest best stuff. Like you're just really getting, you're like, you just got, I just got them all warmed up. I bought them a drink and now they've forgotten that a thousand plus Kairos are listening and they start like talking, like it's just us grabbing coffee. And I'm like, Oh shit. You're like, said that out. No. Um, I just have no interest in short episodes with guests. But I do think that there might be some of you who are like, Lauren, yes, I love your funny stories. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Can you get to the point? I clicked on this because I want want the juice that the title promised. So, So I don't have any funny stories for you today. The only update I have for you is if you like today's episode. This today's episode is very much a like I almost didn't record on this topic because I was worried that I was going to be giving you a little too much of a taste of what's in the multi passionate chiropractor. Um, and then I remembered 
And everything I've learned on building a brand, building a community, I mean, honestly, just anything that experts talk is like, I'm not going to gatekeep from you. So like gatekeeping would be like, no, I'm not going to give you this really practical information because it's too close to a topic that we dive deep into the course. I want you, I'm going to dangle the carrot. So you buy the course. We're not doing that. So if you like today's episode, I, if you want help cleaning up how you run your clinic to create more space for healing, energy, other businesses, going to the park with your kids, um, get on the wait list for the multi-passionate chiropractor because this is the kind of information that we train on and talk on. Um, but it's just cleaned up a little bit more over there because I don't just wing it. I don't wing things over on, on the course. We're, we're more cash over here. Okay. So wait list, do it, do the things. So let's pray. Um, God, I don't have time to pray today. Isn't that such a, it's not an analogy. It's like a representation God on our busiest days when we're trying, like, I don't have time it can really feel like you are one of the first things that we cut out for extra time, you know, then followed by our own self-care. And like, it just goes against everything that we would recommend to our patients. I don't know if it's Buddha or Ramadas, but like one really smart person, God, who you had a great relationship with, I'm sure at one point said, I'm so busy today. I'll have to meditate for twice as long. And Kirby's going to be mad because he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you forgot who that was. But I'm so proud that you listened to me when I talk. So God, on our busiest days, let us still make time for you. In your name, we pray. Okay, today we are talking about something called decision fatigue and how it is ruining your life. Okay, I don't know if that's like going to be the working title. Who knows? Um, so I first saw decision fatigue on TikTok. And it was how it related with a husband to a wife. So this husband was saying like, men, are you exhausting your wives with decision fatigue? And the example was that this dad was heating up breakfast for their toddler. And it was like a blueberry muffin that had just come out of the oven or something like that. And as he was like pulling the muffin out of the tin and like prepping it, he asked his wife, are these still too hot to give to their daughter? And like, she's across the room doing something else. He's the one holding the muffin. He like definitely knows like, you know, how to take care of a child also. Right. Um, and so is one of those things where it was like, he didn't need to ask her. He could have decided like, is this, you know, it's kind of this passing the buck thing of like, I don't want to make this decision. I'm just going to go to the authority who, you know, whatever. So it made me start to realize that this is something that I see a lot of chiropractors deal with within their businesses. And obviously I don't want to say that this is a woman specific thing because like men, I think you are likely very guilty of doing this in your practices but are you like the evidence is just there people that husbands are more likely to do this to their wives than wives are to the husbands. 
it's just, okay, don't shoot the messenger. So men listen up because you're probably doing like dealing with decision fatigue in your clinics, but you're also probably doing this to your wife. So, okay. So, um, step one is we need to understand what is physician fatigue and why we don't want it in our lives. So according to registered psychotherapist, Natasha Duke, decision fatigue is a phenomenon as opposed to a diagnosed medical condition where the more decisions a person makes over the course of a day, the more physically, mentally, and emotionally depleted they become. So can you see why like this is a very interesting thing to talk about when we have so many people in life that are burnt out. So one of my personal goals with She Slays Brand is to just bring more joy, like help chiropractors remember why they chose this profession, help chiropractors find that joy. Because I feel like whether you're an associate or a clinic owner, a lot of times running a small business can take a lot of the joy out of this cool profession that you chose. And so I do believe that there are ways that you can run your clinic that is a lot freer, a lot freer. So we know what it is. Um, so is this contributing to some of the burnout that you might be experiencing? And maybe it's not burnout. Maybe you're not feeling burnout, but you're feeling bored. Maybe you just have a lack of enthusiasm for showing up at your clinic. Maybe you don't have that, but like by the time you get home, you're exhausted. The idea of adding one more thing to your plate is just like too much. So is this contributing to you being in a chronic state of fight or flight? Um, and can acknowledging this in your life start healing the healer, right? Can we get you in a better place for you to be that leader that I know you want to be for your community, for your employees? Can identifying these areas that are draining you that you don't even realize help you just show up better with more enthusiasm, joy, and energy? So this isn't, so when I was talking to Kirby about um, planning this episode, this isn't about handling situations when you don't have the bandwidth to handle them, okay? So this is going with kind of the motto that I have taken on over the last year, two years, where my goal in my clinic, completely different within my marriage, completely different. Um, it'd be really funny if it was my, my marriage. No. In my clinic, my goal is to get to a point where I only do what only I can do. Okay. I only do what only I can do. And looking at my clinic and realizing that there are so many things that I don't have the proper energy for that no one else can do. Being a leader, being the CEO, having the true vision planning mindset, you know, uh, for me, it's also adjusting. Like, I need to adjust some of the patients. We don't have enough doctors where I'm not adjusting. So therefore I need to be a good doctor. I am split between, I need to lead this team. 
I need to be a representation of what a connected and aligned life looks like in my community, showing up as a representation of a healthy doctor in my community, a healthy mother, a healthy wife in my community to like attract more people to chiropractic. And I need to show up for them in clinic. So those are things that only I can do as the owner. So then that means that everything else I need to try and get off my plate. Okay. So this isn't about like, if one of my front desk comes and asks, do you want purple or red? And I go, oh, I'm just so exhausted. I don't have, can you just make the decision? It's about training your whole thinking to, they didn't even ask me if I wanted purple or red. They just decided purple. I would have probably chosen red, but what a win that I'm in this place that a decision was made that was not dire and they didn't ask me. It's starting to get that mindset that like they didn't even ask me and that's cool even when I would have decided something something different. So, step 2, step 1, understanding what it is and why we don't want it, okay? Can we understand why getting rid of this can provide so much more freedom in your life? Yes, okay. Step 2 identify where it's showing up in your practice. So for me, when I was thinking about where, there's one really obvious one and then there's one sneaky one. So the obvious one, this is questions that your staff ask you that they are fully capable of handling on their own. So cynical asshole Lauren is gonna come out for just a second, okay? you know, like the way you want to handle Google reviews. This is the way I wish sometimes I could respond to dumb employee questions. And I love my employees. They know that this cynical part exists in me, but like we have to scratch it somewhere, right? Like that is below, that is not in my job description. Have you tried Googling it? Like all the snarky things that we wish we could, like once you, like once you're aware of decision fatigue, like you might get like, oh, the hell? Why are they asking me this question? Like literally, I don't know. You've trained four other CAs on this. I haven't done that part of the job since I was a solopreneur and was running the front desk. I don't know. Have you tried customer support? Like, okay, okay. We got it out. We got it off our chest. So the questions from the staff. Uh, so we just had like, you know, Halloween is, you know, is kind of just on my mind. So this is things of like, what should we give out as treats when kids come in dressed in costumes? Uh, what should we be as a team for Halloween? The patient texted this. How do you want me to respond? Can I put a patient, a new patient right here on the schedule? Do you like this photo or that one for the social media post? Okay. Like all of all, all, all of the questions. Some of them now if, on the scale of important, very, very important to unimportant, right? They're going to be all across the board. Some of these are truly going to be very, very unimportant questions that you don't need to have your hands in this. Some can be, you know, seemingly more important. The patient said this, how do I respond? And we'll come back to how we start to train them to 
even approach you with a solution already first versus a blank slate. Okay. So when we get to like, what do we do now in that training? So, you know, this is just again, observing, okay, this, these are questions that they probably could handle without me. Then there's the trickier one that it shows up. And these are the non-questions that you have basically trained your staff to play a game of red light, green light. So they don't move until you tell them to move. So this is if you have systems in your clinic, like you tell your front desk when you're out of face paper and it's time to order more. Okay. They are not even looking at like whether they need to stock this, which hello, is stocking face paper something that should be, can you train? Like, can you go like, hey, here's where we store the face paper when it gets down to eight rolls, order it. I am not going to like, can, yeah, yeah, these are system. Um, will you prep the new patient paperwork for me for this afternoon? Like it's all of these little things where you don't have a good system in place for them to know when they need to take action, except for to wait for your authority to tell them. Okay. So those are going to be trickier for you because the, you, I'm sorry, a lot. You, can I just give you a compliment before all of you have like a micro crisis? If you are in a scenario where systems and procedures are just absolute horseshit in your clinic and you're like starting to go down this like shame cycle of like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? It probably came from a place where you were growing so fast that you didn't have time to put systems and procedures in place correctly. Okay. So like, I love you and good for you that you had explosive growth at a certain point where you did not have time to do proper systems and procedures. That's okay. Like, yay. So just like get rid of that shame thing that's happening in your brain right now as you're going, oh my God, this is me. So step three, how did we get here? Hmm. So I'm glad we just talked about getting rid of shame uh, because we're about to talk more about your, this is on you. It's a lot on you. I'm so sorry. Um, it is probably your own control issues and needing to micromanage. Um, this is also probably the way that you have set up training and onboarding your new employees and oh God, I feel so terrible right now. Um, but you know what? This is tough love people, tough love. It's also because you've created an environment where they're scared to move out with your, move without your direction. They're afraid of what the punishment is of making a mistake in your office. Okay. It is probably one of those. So I'm not saying everyone who has this has created a space where employees are scared to make mistakes, but maybe you have, maybe you have. Now I can, I can speak like this to you because I am that person. I am 100% where I would say the first eight years of practice where I was a leader I was not always my best. It wasn't like I was a monster or anything like that, but uh, I definitely had created a space where uh, making a mistake was a scary thing, okay? So 
I can, I can speak to you like this because I've, I've been there and I can tell you that you don't want to be there as a leader. We're in a, um, economy where CA turnover, associate turnover is going to really suck for our practices. It is hard to keep great employees without paying an associate or paying a front desk person $65,000 a year. Okay. Like we're competing with that. And so one of the things that we do have control over is being the best boss and leader that we can be. So we're going to own our shit and we're going to move forward. So we want to start getting this mindset that is 80% good enough. Okay. So for the control freaks in the room and those that like to micromanage, in order for you to clear up more energy, you need to get um, okay with something being done 80% as good as you would have done it yourself. Okay. So they chose purple. You would have done red. Is purple, I don't even know what this is, like t-shirts? Oh, I can't even imagine purple t-shirt. Purple's just not my color. So it's really funny that I just, I don't love it. Um, but they chose purple. Is that going to do 80% of the job that you intended? Like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, it's so funny because the control freak in me is going, oh my God, that's not even our brand color. Why would they choose purple? Like, it's freaking out a little bit, but like, do our patients care? So maybe the t-shirts is about it, but like is eight, can somebody else do it 80% as good? If you just relinquish this freedom, most things, a uh, response to a patient, can they do it 80% as good as you would have? Now, are there going to be some scenarios where 80% isn't good enough, right? Like a very, very delicate, a very angry patient, um, something that needs to be handled from you, then yeah, like, but most of the time, it's not one of those scenarios. So mindset, can they do it? 80% is good. So the step four, this is the, this is the juice here. Like, what do, what do we do about this? How do we get out of this hole that we've created for ourselves? So one you're listening to this and you might be going, oh my God, F my employees. They're a bunch of jerks. Um, they are lazy and they're make they're giving me decision fatigue. It is all their fault. Okay, maybe you're not a cynical person like I am. I want you to not react to your employees at all for a few days and just notice where, who, how often it shows up. You know, just like a little side note, um, because I did bring up that my motto is I only do what only I can do, but not in my marriage. So, but one of the things that Kirby and I, so like deciding dinner is something that is not Kirby's responsibility, even though, you know, like I, I take just as much responsibility for deciding dinner, ordering it. Now, does he end up doing it most of the time? Yes. But it's like a 50-50 like household we're responsible together for feeding our family. Now, even though as his wife, I feel that way, uh, we've had to have a conversation about like in the middle of an afternoon shift, he has in the past messaged me, hey, where is that recipe for tonight's dinner? And like, that's where we go like, okay, whoa, hold up, hold up. Now you're interrupting my, you know, so like 
for those of you that are like applying this message to your marriage too, it's okay to have 50-50 responsibility for laundry. It's okay to have 50-50 responsible for this, but it's also okay to have boundaries around like timing of questions. When are appropriate questions? And then being willing to, okay, so this is owning our owning our shit. Um, so let's say if I set a boundary of like, hey, I would prefer that you only ask me questions that are absolutely essential during an adjusting shift. That means that I need to come home. And if like we were having chicken marsala and Kirby knew he's not supposed to ask me, where's that recipe? That I just need to be okay with whatever recipe for chicken marsala he came found on the internet and not being like, oh, this one doesn't have blah, blah, blah. Okay. So what are we doing? So we're we're gonna observe. We're observing our life and not reacting to them in the moment, okay? Because you might, now that you're aware of it, get start to get a little annoyed. Maybe not, maybe you're super patient, but we're just going to observe. How often is this showing up? Is there one team member that's a bigger offender than others? Are they new? You know, like, okay, what does that tell you? They're they're needing a little more training. Oh, is this someone who's been around for a long time? Like, have they experienced trauma from you being mad at them if they made a mistake? So then this is how I would roll with the next step. You do what feels authentic to you in person, in person. Like, I don't know. I just, I can just picture how this would be perceived if you wrote this out in an email to people. Um, But in person at a team meeting, I would own my own shit and without blame and ownership. Okay. So I would, or without blame, I would own 100% of the situation that we are going to work on. So I would say things like, I haven't created a safe space for you to make mistakes. And I own that. And I don't like that. I've micromanaged you, which gets in the way of you being efficient. Ultimately, this all comes down to, I haven't shown you that I trust you, that I trust the training that you've gone through, I trust that like, you know, if you have a badass mom running your front desk, like this woman runs a household, okay? Like she knows how to make decisions, but you haven't shown that you trust her to make decisions within her job responsibilities. And so like, I would say like, hey, like you don't need to be all super serious unless you want to. You can be like, hey, I just want you to know that like, I, in my pursuit of becoming a better leader, I'm realizing areas where I'm micromanaging and controlling you that's going to get in the way of you feeling fully empowered and you fully like owning this job as your own. And nobody wants to be micromanaged. So you're probably going to notice as I work on this, like you might ask me a question and it's okay, but I might respond a little differently than I have in the past. Um, just I'm just trying to empower you more, you know, okay, just I'm shooting from the hip here. Like just do what feels right to you. Or you can skip this step. If you're like, nah, I'm good. You can just skip to the next step where you want to start responding to things where you are going to start training your employees. Okay. So do not think that you can just be like, hey, y'all, you're really annoying me with all of your questions. I get that I've micromanaged you. I'm not going to do that anymore. So I trust you to do the job 80% as good as me when there won't be repercussions. So no more stupid questions. Bye. Um, Your staff after that team meeting is just going to be like, what the fuck was that? Like, 
so what do we do? Like, uh, okay. Like, don't do that. You're just, like, there's a correct way to step into empowering them and being like, here, I'm offloading all of this stress because they're like, has she changed? Like, okay, we'll see. So when you get asked a question, there's a couple of phrases that I want you to remember. And if you need to like bookmark this, like if you're driving right now, we're at like 27, 28-ish minutes. So you can come back and write these down when you're at um, a desk or something. So one, I trust your judgment on this. What do you think we should do? Okay. Two, this is a great question. Let's discuss this as a team. Please bring this up at our team meeting with one or two solutions. Three, I encourage you to make the decision that you think is best. And if it ends up not being perfect, we'll just review it later and make, you know, learn from it. Okay. So like these are, you're empowering them to, what do you think? You're literally just going like, what do you think? You know, with your associate, when it comes to things like, you know, time off and it's like, you know, it's just this whole mindset where it's like, yeah, if, um, if you think that we should be closed that day or I should cover on this shift or, you know, like, how do you think we should be open the week of Thanksgiving? Like what is getting them to start solving problems? Okay. So let's take some of the things that are like, not necessarily you handle this. Okay. So let's say that there's a delicate situation that you, you should kind of like double check what that response is to the patient. It's training them to being like, oof. Okay. Yeah. So she's obviously confused and upset with our refund policy. Shoot me a first draft of what you think, how you think we should respond. Okay. You're putting the work on them, but is that fair? I would say yes. I would absolutely say that it is fair to ask your staff to take a stab at the initial solution. Um, so now here's how I would respond. So let's say they come back with like something. You want to kind of take the sandwich approach and continue training them. So, you know, you could say like, oh, I love how you validated their frustration that was perfect. Like that's always my, anytime someone we want to deescalate, yes, you validated. Um, the only thing I would do is I would tweak this word and then you kind of want to give the why, okay? So giving the why behind your feedback is very important. Otherwise, you're not empowering them to make a better first draft next time or a better decision next time. So you might say like, oh, I love this. Um, I feel like when we use, like when we respond this way, it elicits this emotion in the patient. Can you see how like this might, instead of de-escalating, actually make them feel like they need to defend more? And, you know, them being like, oh yeah. And be like, so like, therefore I would use maybe this phrase instead. So you're, but without the why in the changes that you're making. And then again, thank them. Say like, Again, and you don't need to do this for like the forever and ever, but realize that one of the reasons, okay, I, I didn't bring this up yet, but you need to pay attention. Um, one of the reasons that your employees are coming to you with asking is because they're seeking connection, okay? 
So that means that like, sometimes they just want to like have a reason to be like, Hey, and like you guys decide something together. And it's, it's like the reverse of a trauma bond. Like you're creating, they're creating a bond with their boss by like solving this thing together. So one of the, like knowing that they want that connection. Okay. So you're giving something good. You're sandwiching this approach. You're giving the why behind what you would change in that response or what color you would order. Um, you know, like I would call I would probably stick with this just because it's, I like sticking to our brand colors. Boom. You're training them for future. They're not going to come at you with a purple shirt. They're going to stick with your brand colors. Um, but then you're, you want to, because they might feel a little bit of embarrassment from that learning moment of like, Oh God, I did a bad job. This is why I don't like doing a first draft. Like they feel embarrassed. Maybe they're not, but like, I would recommend that ending with this, like, Hey, first drafts, always take feedback. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you giving me something to respond to you doing the work on this. You saved me a ton of time and energy by bringing the first draft or this or that, like give them that, that positive reinforcement that will eliminate them thinking like, Oh, this is why I just wanted to ask her and I would have, she would have just come up with a burst, first response best. So like, I know about me is that on some things I definitely have opinions and my second draft can be really good. But me creating a second draft from a first draft is so much easier than starting with the first. So, um, so there we go. There's decision fatigue, how to identify it and how to eliminate it. Like I said, if this is a topic that you really like, so a couple things on feedback. One, if you like the shorter episode, please let me know. I mean, I guess the numbers will speak for themselves too. Um, we'll see if we get more downloads of this. Um, if you like this episode in general, please share it. Make sure you are subscribed. If you're not following or subscribing to the podcast, wherever you listen, please do that. That really does help our numbers. Um, and if this was a topic that you're like, oh girl, preach, I need another, like I need more of this. I need help. Again, I highly recommend checking out the multi-passionate chiropractor getting on the wait list, checking out the landing page, seeing if it even remotely seems like something that fits with where you're at in your life and your career. We can do the discovery call to make sure you're not going to waste money and you're going to be a good fit um, because that is going on sale in December. So coming up fast and the wait list will save between $600 to $1,100 um, and get first dibs on one of 32 spots. So enjoy. I love you. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Have a great day. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. 
If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. 